Hello, all you happy innovators. How have you been, huh? I haven't talked to you guys in a long time, and I apologize for that, but if you've tuned into my YouTube channel at all over the past month and a half or so, uh, you can probably get a pretty good idea of what I've been doing in the meantime. And you know, I missed you guys, you know? I missed uh, the singularity. So I wanted to make one today, and what I want to talk about today is this experience that I had um, just last Friday. And uh, it's kind of a long story, but, eh, you know, it's just a really interesting one. Um, so the story goes like this. My wife comes home from work, okay? And she throws this envelope down on the table, okay? And I look at it, and it's like a Ticketmaster envelope. So I open it up, and there's two tickets to the U2 concert for the Songs of Innocence and Experience tour. And I'm like, what is this? Like, how did you get these? Like, what are these? There are two tickets for U2. Like, where did you get them? And she's like, well, and here's the story. A friend of hers at work had purchased the tickets to go to the concert. And a family emergency had arisen. So this friend of my wife's was no longer able to go to the concert because she had to leave Massachusetts to go to visit her family. There was some kind of family emergency. And this friend of hers had kind of like asked a bunch of people if they would want the tickets, like if they would be able to go so they would at least not go to waste, you know. And uh, she couldn't sell them or anything. And uh, everybody that she asked was unable to go. So my wife hears about it, you know, and gets a hold of these tickets. All right. So it was kind of weird. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of weirdness to the story, at least to me, okay? And I'll get into all of it, but I thought it was strange that she couldn't give the tickets away for you too, okay? That's like, what? They're like the biggest band in the world, you know? And, and people didn't want to go or couldn't go. And, you know, to tell you the honest truth, you know, it's the kind of thing that if I had to pay for the tickets, I wouldn't have gone. I mean, I wasn't going to go to the concert. And there's a whole slew of reasons that I'll get to about that, because that's really the crux of the story here. But um, so my wife and I have these two free tickets for this concert. All right. Now, before I continue with the story, there's something that I need to explain to you. Okay. Um. For me, okay, for me, U2 is one of the bands that has had a huge influence on me, okay? I was probably, for the majority of my, at least my young life, um, my young adult life, I was probably the biggest U2 fan that I knew of, okay? Um... So much so that, you know, it could be argued that I've 
like literally modeled my life after them. Okay, um, they were just my favorite band. That's that's a that's a major understatement. Okay, to say that U2 was my favorite band would be like a massive understatement. Okay, I loved that band. I thought they were excellent, and you know, at least up until probably all that you can't leave behind. They were one of those bands that I just thought got better and better with every album. I mean, there were some questionable moments, okay, like the Pop Mart thing and all that stuff, okay? But, you know, I had gone to see U2. Well, okay, here's what, here's the story for you. When U2 came through Cleveland, where I grew up, on the Joshua Tree Tour, I had a ticket to go, and... On the day of the show, I got grounded, and I couldn't go to the concert, okay? <laughs> so I missed the Joshua Tree Tour, okay? To this day, it's just one of those major regrets that I have. But I did get to see them on the Zoo TV Tour, okay? And that was excellent. It was just one of the best concerts I've ever seen. And then I went to see them a second time, on the All That You Can't Leave Behind tour. Okay, so there were a lot of tours that I didn't go to. I But I did manage to go to two shows, two U2 concerts, okay? And these were like religious experiences for me, you know, at the time anyway. Um, but I guess the reason that I want to mention that is because ever since maybe the year 2000 on, I have slowly kind of lost my appreciation for them. I, I There's a part of me that will always kind of remain loyal to them just because they were so important to me. And their older music is still very important to me. And I don't know. I think it's just one of those things like... I've changed, you know, I've changed. It's kind of uh, hard for me to believe that my my relationship with the band U2 has deteriorated as much as it has to the point where I, I can almost say, in all honesty, that I don't even really want to listen to their new music, okay? Like, I don't even want to hear it to give it a chance. I don't even care anymore. And that may not seem like a big deal to you. And you may or may not like them. You know, you may or may not be a U2 fan. But for me to say that is a major statement, okay? And it's one that has forced me to kind of examine what that what has happened, okay? Like, how could I go from, like, a rabid U2 devotee to someone who is almost completely uninterested in what they're doing? And it just shocks me. It just shocks me that I could change that much about something. Um... And I've thought about it a lot. 
And the tickets for this concert, you know, this opportunity to go and see them for free, okay, was much appreciated because I think it was probably the nicest gift I've gotten from anyone in a long time. I mean, we were gifted these tickets and they were $200 a piece, okay? So let's talk about that, okay, for a little bit, all right? Talk about the ticket price. Like, I don't know what is going on. I would imagine it has something to do with the changes in the record industry and how file sharing has affected the music industry, okay? And I know that now, um, and I can explain it to you in case you are unfamiliar with this, but the record industry has changed in a way where a recording artist used to sign a record deal and the record company would get a percentage of the record sales and maybe a couple of other things like licensing for movies or soundtracks and you know compilation CDs things like that but ever since the advent of file sharing and these massive you know seismic changes in the record industry the record companies now are signing with their artists what they call a 360 deal and the 360 deal allows the record company to take a percentage of absolutely everything the band does. Okay, so, you know, ticket sales, t-shirts, stickers, merchandise, everything the band does that makes money, the record label is entitled to collect a percentage from everything. Now, I would imagine that that has something to do with the modern-day ticket prices for concerts, okay? Because the prices are off the chain. I mean, it's like it's out of control how much you have to pay to go see a concert. I mean, and it's not because I'm an old man. I mean, I, I get it. You know, inflation, prices change, things change. The tickets that we were gifted were kind of like nosebleeders, and they were $200 a piece. $400 for two nosebleed tickets. You know? Think about that. We're not talking front row seats. And, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of the reason why I don't go to see bands perform live that much anymore at least bands that are on the level of u2 or something you know stadium bands is because the tickets are unaccessible to me i can't afford a thousand dollars for a ticket for a concert i can't even if i love the band but i guarantee you there's not a band i love that much where i would spend a thousand dollars on a freaking ticket for their concert but I can't complain too much in this circumstance because the tickets were given to us for free. But to be honest with you, I couldn't help but notice while I was watching the show, like, you know, kind of like watching the show with this appraisal, (laughs) you know, uh, appraisal of the performance and whether it was worth the money. 
even though I didn't have to pay for the ticket. I mean, I still was thinking to myself, okay, this guy next to me spent, you know, 200 bucks a ticket or more, maybe. And, uh, you know, was he getting $200 worth of performance out of this artist, out of this band, even though it was you too, you know? And they had the big screen and the split stage and uh, it was, you know, it was pretty good. It was pretty good, you know, uh, which I can't believe I'm even saying that it was pretty good, you know, because these guys are heroes to me. Okay. At least they were, Uh, I guess they still are, but not for anything they've done in the recent past. Okay. And, you know, it bothers me, <laughs> you know, it bothers me be- because I'm a musician and music is my life, man. It is. And it has been for a long time. And these guys to me are like my godparents. They're like my musical godparents, you know, uh, so important to me, so central to, to my core and for me to go to this concert and it was a huge production, you know, it was, uh, for me to walk out of the experience, like, you know, I wouldn't say thoroughly unimpressed, but you know, it was, it could have been a lot better, you know, it could have been a lot better especially for $200 a pop for the for the crap seats, you know? We're not talking, like I said, we're not talking about front row. Now, to U2's credit, I have to say a couple of things, okay? Whether you like them or not or you hate them or whatever, yeah, that's fine. I get it, you know? But I will say this, okay, that... I know that in the past, especially with U2's concert ticket sales, there has been controversy, okay? Because you have these individuals that have access to the tickets, like, before they even go on sale. And they'll buy the tickets and mark them up at a really high price, and they'll sell them and profit from it, okay? And I know for a fact that the band, U2, was consciously trying to defeat that. Okay, they were trying to come up with a way to defeat that. And I remember a few years back they toured, I think it was for the Vertigo tour, and there was this big mishap with ticket sales, and people were just furious that uh, it shook down the way it did, and a lot of the seats wound up being empty, and, you know, there was, from what I remember anyway, okay, for as little as I cared at that time, uh, the little bit of information that I got, I knew that there was some kind of controversy with their ticket sales. And so to their credit, the other night, Friday night on the Songs of Innocence and Experience tour, um, I did notice that U2 has begun to do something that's pretty clever. And I would imagine that it is because of this problem they were having with people buying the tickets and marking them up or whatever. And what they have done is, and this is pretty interesting, okay, and it's pretty clever, 
and it's innovative, okay? YouTube has started to do this thing where they're splitting the stage up, okay? And they're literally setting up smaller stages uh, around the arena and like these small platforms where like Adam Clayton is standing on this little square and the edge is on the other side of like the arena on a small little square and then maybe Larry Mullen Jr. is on the main stage and they have Bono kind of roaming up and down this this uh, peninsula you know that comes out into the audience so I thought about it when I saw that and it was kind of cool because when you really think about it what they're doing is they're they're changing what a front row seat is okay like um, they're playing around with that so that if someone buys a front row ticket like to the main stage that's not necessarily where they're going to be performing and I could pretty much say that most of the show I think from my memory anyway was performed on the smaller stage at the end of that peninsula that comes out into the audience or on these you know these two small little stages like they did that they played with that and I thought that that was cool because I got it you know it makes sense like you buy a ticket and you don't realize that you're buying a ticket that's going to be right next to the edge when he's standing on this platform playing like you're right there and uh, there's no way to determine that before the concert starts you know because it's a general admission area like so I, I thought it was just kind of cool you know I just I really that was one of the things that I noticed that was actually impressive to me that they were thinking like that um and I can say that the show was a spectacular production, you know. Of course it was. I mean, they're like billionaires, you know. They can do anything they want. They have the best of everyone working on their show. So it better be good, you know. Um, but I will say this, that what disappointed me probably the most, okay, was the set list, the songs that they played, or better yet, the songs they chose to not play. All right. And like I said, you know, I'm a lifelong fan. There are a few songs that I want to hear, you know, and uh, they pretty much really didn't play any of them, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, you know, you just want to like smack me right because it's like you know I got free tickets to this concert what am I bitching about you know how dare I and I get that because I believe me I'm I can get there on my own you know but I don't know I guess it's like this you know my love okay for this band at least you know in the past kind of like an old girlfriend you know um, my love for this band was so strong there's an expectation there you know and honestly it wasn't really met I was a, I was a little disappointed um, that there were certain songs they didn't play like uh, to name one you know that stands out 
where the streets have no name. You know, I think I don't care what anyone says. You know, people can like or dislike that song, whatever. Okay, but let me tell you something. All right, I've written a few songs myself. I mean, I have an idea of what it takes to write songs, and I could argue, probably, that "Where the Streets Have No Name" is probably one of the best songs that's ever been written. Okay, and go ahead and disagree with me because I don't care. I don't. I I can argue it. I really do think that that song is. It's more than just music, okay? It's beyond that. It's transcendent. It's excellent. And they didn't play it. <laughs> like, you know, the one song I would probably want to hear <laughs> more than any other, and they didn't play it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was like, you know, the, they finished playing, you know, good night, and the show just kind of like, ended like it just went like bam we're like that's it you know they, they did an encore they came out and did maybe like four songs maybe a little bit more than that and then that was it the show was over and they were gone and the lights went up and i'm like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute they're not going to play where the streets have no name like you've got to be kidding me right oh you know what can i say the tickets were free okay the tickets were free and no one has ever uh, gifted me something that expensive before. I mean, especially concert tickets, you know. Um, I don't know. Just, I'm grateful, you know. I'm grateful to this person that gave us the opportunity to go because I would never have bought those tickets. I mean, I would not have gone at all. The only way I would go... <laughs> What does this mean? You know, like the only way I would go to a U2 concert now is if the tickets are free. <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, Mike Bostwick has changed. You know, something has changed when that's the case. Trust me. You know, <laughs> I say it half kidding, but it's really kind of true. Um, uh, you know. What can I say? You know, it's one of those things, like especially, you know, you know, it just makes me think, okay? It just makes me think that there are certain bands that like operate on a certain level when it comes to talent and songwriting and creativity. And I can name several, you know, that are high functioning bands. Like when it comes to making songs and, everything uh you know a band i could cite would be like flaming lips you know they're so good i mean they're so good and every time they release something it's really good and i would imagine that okay because i've thought about this a lot i would imagine that it has something to do with the amount of fame and fortune that comes their way as a result of being famous singer songwriters you know like, I'm convinced of this. And maybe you know what I mean. And maybe you agree with me. It just seems that, like, especially, okay, especially with a group like U2, um, over time, they kind of lose their rocket sauce. You know, they don't really have 
the same mojo that they used to have. And I'm not sure why that happens, okay? It's just, you know, they don't write songs that are intense anymore, at least to me, okay? Their songs sound, even though they're new and they're recorded in state-of-the-art studios with state-of-the-art production and spare no expense, you know, the songs still, to me, sound like flaccid, you know, like, and I don't know if that's just me or what, but that's the way it seems. And it's, and U2 is not the only band that I could say that about. It's like they lose something by transforming from a, you know, successful rock band to like superstardom. They start to lose something. And, and I would imagine it has something to do with maybe, uh, they're not hungry anymore, you know? They're not on fire for it anymore because they're comfortable, you know? It's, they're writing from a different place. They're coming from a different place. And I don't know, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, they seem to kind of lose the magic, you know? They lose the magic. And unfortunately for me, for me, <laughs> you know, like I said, probably the world's biggest U2 fan at one point for a very long time. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't get anything out of their music anymore. I don't. Their, their older songs are phenomenal. I mean, it's almost like it's two different bands. You know, when you listen to The Unforgettable Fire, the whole album, you know, and you compare it to anything they've done in the past 10 years. It's like, ah, oh, you know, is it even the same band anymore? It's the same four guys, you know, but man, they, it, it just seems to me that they have lost something along the way. And I guess, you know, this singularity's gone about as long as it should go, probably. I could probably talk about this all afternoon, but I, you know, I shouldn't. So I'll leave it there. And uh, it was nice talking to you again. <laughs> it was. And uh, sorry about this gap, you know. Uh, I'm working it out. Um, uh, I've been working on a handful of projects. Okay, I'll just tell you really quick. I've been working on a handful of projects. Uh, a lot of them are video projects. And they're kind of like coming to their completion. So uh, it'll probably be back to the singularities and uh, probably even the interesting actual, okay? Thinking about, I'm rethinking, I'm rethinking the interesting actual, how I want to do that. And uh, rethinking the singularity a little bit too. And I also have a lot of new music that I'm working on right now. So um, uh, just keep your ears to the ground, you know? And thank you for your patience, everybody. Um, all you loyal listeners out there, all five of you, <laughs> uh, take care of yourselves, you know, hang in there. I'll be talking to you soon again. I'll come up with something. Uh, I won't make you wait very long for the next singularity. Um, anyway, so for now, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.